We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Yeah, absolutely. So just, I'll, I'll relay the word. Kathy says to tell everybody she loves everybody, she misses everybody. Be back in a couple of weeks. She pretty much got, when I talked to her this week, she was back to her first day at work. And, you know, she said that she was just felt zapped. He said, then she said, the bad thing is Ron got it. So, yeah, so, yeah, she, yeah. So there's, you know, we just need to keep, keep praying. I just, I just talked to uh, Jan and uh, she wasn't sure, you know, if we were going to have church today this, because of COVID and all that stuff. I told her we'd pray for her. She's doing fine. It's just, uh, I talked to Felicia this week and she's back. That's nice. Listen, it's just, it's the life we're living in. It's the world we're living in. And so we address it as it comes. Right? No? Okay. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. I'm afraid I'm a little close to the <laughs> lean back and fall backwards. Acts chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15, but we're not going to read them. We're going to, we're going to look at them, and, and we're going to talk about something. And I've just entitled it Upside Down. Upside Down. That was a favorite thing when we were kids. You know, when we were kids, you always wanted to be upside down. There was a rush you got with your head gets filled with blood, and then you turn yourself back up really quick. It was just this rush that you got as a kid. And so being upside down was always fun. And, you know, you watch kids, they like to tumble. They like to get on the swings and not just swing like you're supposed to, but turn upside down. They like to get on the monkey bars and hang by their knees, turn upside down. So something about upside down that's, that's, that we as humans like. And that's not a bad thing. <clears throat> you know, sadly today, bad news travels much faster than good news, doesn't it? It's a sad thing, but it's... You know, it only took two hours for the world to know that JFK had been assassinated. Two hours. The whole world that had communication knew that J. They knew where he was killed. They knew how he was killed. They knew who they thought killed him. Now, here's a sadder thing. More than half the world's population today does not know that Jesus died. Now, the, the, most of the world knew that Kennedy was killed, but today, m over half the world doesn't really even know. Yeah, well, we've got Christianity around, around the world. Well, we've got the activity of Christianity around the world, but, you know, uh, there's over a billion Muslims in the world out of the 8 billion people in the world, and so they have no reference of Jesus dying. So that, that, that a billion people right there, but... They don't know that Jesus died. They don't know where Jesus died. They don't know how Jesus died. They don't know who killed him. Uh, and that's easy to get discouraged by that fact, isn't it? You think, man, we, we think we're progressing. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about there's a perseverance that Paul and Silas had in Scripture that I think the church needs to be endowed with. We need to be uh, pushed into if that's the case. Uh, you know, despite all the odds that were against them, their, their perseverance paid off. Don't ever think that perseverance won't pay off for you. It'll pay off. You just keep pushing forward. Per, just keep believing. Keep going forward. 
no matter how the struggles are, and let's, let's be honest, Paul went through some very difficult things. We're going to talk today about Paul's second journey and the things, some things that happened there. Uh, but he went through a lot, but he just, there was a, he just kept persevering, just kept pushing forward. Do you think there were times when he would get, got discouraged? Sure it was because he said it was, there was. Do you think there were times when he wanted to, you know, man, I don't know about this. Sure, he said there was. You think there was times he was discouraged within his own self about who he was? Sure, all of those things. But he kept going forward. He kept going forward. And we're going to find out that that perseverance caused the, the world to be turned upside down. Think, think about this right now. Had Paul quit, now, God probably would have gotten someone else that had been up to God. But had Paul quit, would we have most of the known New Testament? Because he wrote most of it. What if he had persevered? What if he had decided in the middle, you know, it's too tough. I think I'll just, you know, cash in my card and, you know, move on to heaven. But let me start by saying that we're not here to simply read a story today. Okay. We're going to talk about a story in Paul's life, but that's not the purpose. We're here to read about it. We're here to study it, and we're here to apply the principles God has in it. Most of the problem that we find in Christianity today is people like the stories. They just don't want to apply the stories. They like the stories, but they don't want to study the stories. There's more than just a story in everything about Paul's life. There's more than just a story about Jesus Christ. There's more than just a story about Moses. There are some depths to those things. And so let's talk about that. So if you're only reading a story, then you're really missing out on what God has for you. If you're just here for the story, you're missing the whole deal. You can sit at home and read the story. So let's study it. So let's look at Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, which was a synagogue where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So the first thing to realize here is that Paul is doing a lot of moving. He, look, look at those Amphipolis and Polonia and Thessalonica. He's, he's doing a lot of moving, especially in this time in history. Why is that? He leaves the previous chapter, he leaves Philippi to go to Thessalonica. That, that's a roughly a 200-mile trip. Now, for us today, we could drive that in a few hours, three hours or so. But we're talking about people that were on foot, wagons, donkeys, whatever. 200 miles. What if you had to walk 200 miles to your next? That's the journey that he was taking. <clears throat> From there, he doesn't quit just moving. Paul keeps moving. He goes to Berea, and then he goes to Athens, which was the capital of Greece at the time. So Paul traveled an ancient uh, 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 newsway that is still, you know, it's still to this pathway that he traveled, this this freeway that he went down, this this road that he traveled uh, from Philippi to Thessalonica. That road still exists today. It's still you you can still travel that road. Uh, it, it, the road actually ran, ran from Neapolis to Philippi through this Amphipolis. I'm going to say it quickly, Apollonia, Thessalonica. And from there, they, uh, it goes all the way to the Adriatic Sea. There was a purpose in where it began, and there was a purpose in where it ended. And the purpose of the beginning led to the purpose of the ending because the reason it went to the Adriatic was that the Adriatic was a passageway to most people of those days to Italy, to Rome. And so this was a popular pathway that, that people took. So I, let's just kind of look at six quick points about this journey. So we're going to look at 
Paul, first of all, Paul's customary visit in this journey. Paul had a customary visit. So Paul, number one, Paul was on the move. Church ought to always be on the move. We ought to always be moving, not stagnant, not still, not sitting, always moving, doing something, looking for the next, going to the next, believing for the, looking forward. You know, one of the, the uh, pe- people that become successful in life are forward thinkers. Backward thinkers never succeed. Never. You don't find one person that's a backwards thinker that succeeds. It's always a forward thinker. What makes you think is going to be any difference in the church? We have to be forward thinkers, looking ahead, pressing forward. Uh, so he had this customary visit. Uh, he had this proclamation of Jesus. He had the crowd we're going to talk about. There were the charges we're going to talk about. He checked it out. We're going to talk about that. And lastly, we're going to talk about out to sea. So six points we're going to talk about real quick. So Paul bypasses two cities on his way. I'm going to repeat the cities there if you want to say them to yourself. On his way to Thessalonica, which Thessalonica has always been a tongue twister for me, as y'all always can tell. Though if I say Thessa, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? All right. Now, it appears that Paul has a purpose to visit this city. He's, there's a directive in his heart and in his mind to go to the city. Now, this is in about 51 A.D., which makes Paul about 48 years old. So in years in that time, that was a pretty old man for 48 years in that day. 48 today is probably about midlife, but not then. Then, it, then he was getting old for his age. So Jason said something about uh, in the office today about there were some old people, old man or in the 60s, 70s. Dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So old is relative, right? Thank you. <laughs> Thessalonica, a city that was is still present in Greece. I got it. I got it. <laughs> was the major city in the area of Macedonia at that time. It was a, actually a free governing. It was under the umbrella of Rome, but it was its own free governing city, one of the few of that time, because it was run by the Greek form of government. It wasn't run by the Roman form of government. And the reason that was being is that it flourished so much that Rome left it alone. It was flourishing so well that the money they were sending to Rome, they, they hey, you're doing great. And so they flourished. It really actually wasn't even a Roman colony. It was just under the umbrella of just a free Greek city. It, it had a sizable Jewish population at the time because we know there was a Jewish synagogue there. And a Jewish synagogue, to be a city that had a Jewish synagogue, there had to be at least 10 Jewish males and their families to be in a synagogue for there even to be one established. And so we know there was at least, you know, Jew, Jewish families were fairly big. So we know there was at least 10 men with their families. So. Uh, so there was a sizable, anyway, history says there was a sizable uh, group of Jews that was in this city. And so the other two ancient cities uh, that, that we read about here, they've actually in, in recent years been excavated. And in, in those excavations, they found no synagogue ruins. But in the excavations of Thessalonica, missed it on that one, they have actually found ruins of a synagogue, just like it says here in the Bible. There's a lot of things that when we're discovering now, that, that we're seeing that, you know, the Bible just puts it out there. That was already there. So we know the synagogue actually was there. So Paul's first visit to the city was where? What did he, where did he first go to? 
where there was a synagogue. And so Paul goes to the synagogue. He, he didn't go there to practice Judaism. Everywhere Paul went, when he got to the city, what did he find? A synagogue. And there was a reason for that. He went there because, first of all, he recognized that, that Jesus was sent to the Jew first, then the Gentile. And so as he went through, what he would do is that he didn't push off the Gentile, but he first came to the Jewish synagogue. It was the people that God came to first. So that's where he would go. And, and there's a reason why he did this. Not, not just because they were, quote-unquote, God's chosen. Uh, he understood that, that they were the people from Abraham to Solomon all the way through. Uh, but we understand at this point in time in history, there was no written New Testament. So uh, the writings of this time that Paul always speaks of and the writings that they talk about in the synagogue where they opened up, we know to be the Old Testament. And so what Paul would do is he would go into a synagogue and reference the Old Testament to Jesus Christ. And so he wasn't going there to practice Judaism. So the gospel was being presented to the Jew first, and then in their acceptance or non-acceptance, you would find that Paul would then reach out, and we're going to see it here, reach out to those Gentiles that were there. As a matter of fact, in this particular synagogue, there were, there were people that were Greeks that were not Judaistic nor Christian, but they were called God-fearers. That's, that's what the Jews called them. And they were called God-fears. And these Greeks would go to synagogue. And, but they didn't practice Judaism. But they would show up every week in synagogue. And they would just listen and study. So uh, what you find is that the people that practiced Judaism here and the Christians that were also there in Thessalonica, they had common ground. They all had one thing in common. They believed in the God of Israel. And Paul understood that. And so... That's why he would go to the synagogue first. He would choose to go to the synagogue and teach out of the Old Testament about the Messiah. So the people had this. The people that were there had an inclination to God already. He wasn't going to a blank screen. He wasn't going to a you know just an outraw group of people that had. They had an inclination towards God already, and so they just hadn't heard the whole story yet, right? They, and so that's what Paul was. Paul he was the original Paul Harvey. You know that, right? He had the rest of the story. So, but he was Paul of not Harvey at Tarsus. So let's read verses 2 and, uh, through 4. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Sidus, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of chief women not a few. Wow, a lot happened there all of a sudden. So, so that's the next. That was the first step. Was where, where did what was his customary visit synagogue? So let's go to the next one. What was his proclamation? The second thing, his proclamation was Jesus. Paul stayed there three weeks, three Sabbaths. That's three weeks. So he was three weeks, and he was alleging and and, and opening and discussing with them uh, the things concerning Jesus. Now, it was custom in that day in the synagogue for the ruler of the synagogue to turn part of the service over to a visiting rabbi. And Paul knew this. That's why Paul, again, would attend the synagogue. He always knew that he had a voice to a people when he went into a city, if there was a synagogue. He always knew he would be welcomed as a rabbi to be able to teach. And so he took that opportunity. Listen, we have to understand some things about our... There are people that are God-leaning and God-leaning towards that if, if you... If you will go, they will allow you to speak if you'll just speak concerning the things 
of Jesus Christ. The problem that, especially from where we came from, many of us, is that we didn't want to speak the things concerning Jesus Christ. We wanted to speak the things concerning our doctrine. And it blew people away. Because our doctrine, be, be quite frank with you, the doctrine from the church that we came from, y'all, the doctrine, the total teaching was not about Jesus Christ. No, it wasn't. Most of it was about us, about what we, what we thought it took to get there, what we thought God held. You know, God never put that responsibility on us. We just took it for ourselves. And so understand something. We, there are welcoming people that will hear the gospel if you're just willing to talk Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says Paul reasoned with them out of the Scripture. That word reason in the Greek, dialogia, it's the English word where we get dialogue. So he was having a dialogue. This is another problem in the New Western Church. We don't really believe in dialogue. It's I talk and you listen. That's why I like Sunday school. We want to have a dialogue here. That's what Paul did. Let's have a dialogue and let's talk about things. Do you ever think in Paul's life there was something somebody pointed out to him that he was wrong in? Sure there was. Go to Hebrews and go to and he discusses some of those things. That he was wrong in some aspects. Not about Jesus Christ, but about things he believed. He said, Listen, we we don't know we don't no longer have circumcision. You know Paul believed in circumcision, right? But then it then he discovered that wasn't physical circumcision was not baptism was now the circumcision into Christianity. And so he had to learn those things. Understand this. Don't be afraid to have dialogue. Most of us, we were talking about this earlier, a lot of, from, from, from where we came before, didn't like having dialogue with other people in other denominations because, quite frankly, they knew the book better than we did. We knew Acts 2.38. And let's see. We knew Acts 2.38. And let's see. We knew Acts 2.38. Yes, we could backwards, frontwards, upside down, round. And, man, that was our salvation. You know, can I tell you something? Acts 2.38 is not your salvation. Going to blow some of you away. It's not. It's the doorway unto salvation. It's not your salvation. But we live that to be. Paul didn't see. Paul preached the things concerning Jesus, not his feelings about things. So there's this back and forth interaction between them that's a healthy thing. It's healthy for us to have interaction and discussion about things. It, it's how things are revealed. It's how, yeah, we all have it in our mind that certain people know more than everybody else. And in certain situations, that's the truth. But in no given situation is it absolute. Let me say that again. In certain situations, it's the truth. But in not in any given situation, situation is it absolute god will reveal to the most ignorant people who know very little things that the most learned people have not yet recognized that's nothing bad or good about the person receiving it nothing bad or good about the person that we have to take ego out of the way one of the things paul had to get rid of was an ego so never be afraid of interaction Interaction always piques interest. If I'm afraid to discuss something with somebody, it's usually because I'm not familiar with the subject. It's not wise to have a discussion with someone when you're not familiar with the subject unless you're looking for truth. 
unless you, if you're looking for debate, if you're looking for reasoning, if you're looking for those things, it's not wise to get into a political debate with somebody about communism if you've never studied communism. They'll eat your lunch. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm a pro. It doesn't matter how pro-American you are. If you don't understand what it is, they're going to eat your lunch. You don't believe me? Look what's going on in the United States of America. They're eating our lunch. Friends, communism is eating our lunch. You don't believe me? Go, go listen to what the, the 15, 16, and 17-year-olds are being taught and what they're saying in school. Many, this was taken, and I heard this this week, was taken this week. There was a poll taken in schools in Texas about how kids felt about the United States of America. It's going to blow your mind. Over 80% hate the United States of America. That's our 15 to 18-year-olds. They hate this country. Yeah. They don't understand. You know why? Because they don't, it's because they have a lack of knowledge. Why do they have a lack of knowledge? Because we're letting somebody else teach them what we ought to be teaching them. Let them, let them go to Russia and live. Let them go to Cuba and live. Let, you know, let them go to Venezuela and live some socialism. Let them, then, they'll, then they'll understand. They'll get some learning. But, but what we've got to understand something here. Listen, if we don't have dialogue, we're not going to pique an interest. If we don't have dialogue with these 15 to 18s, they're going to be running the country before long. Correct. The teachers out of the universities. What, what is the average teaching age today? I'm not saying all teachers, but the, and, and please, if you're a teacher, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, there's a directive bit that, that comes out of our universities, our colleges. There's a directive. And the directive is, is to put America in its place. That we're not, we're not so all that. And that, you know what, America has problems. Do we have problems? Absolutely. So does every, every nation in the world. We should address problems, not, not just let our kids hate. They hate it. You know what? What happens when you hate something? Not only are you going to fight against it, you're going to replace it with something. And if you don't believe me, just look what's going on in our political system today. That's not part of a, I shouldn't have got off on that. Paul noticed, uh, Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures. He didn't reason with them out of his own theology. He reasoned out of the scriptures. He didn't reason, he didn't reason with them on what was the popular thing going on that day. He reasoned out of the scriptures. He didn't reason with them about the latest fad and movie that had been put out of it. He reasoned out of the scriptures. Simply out of the scriptures. We, we could learn a good lesson here. It's, it's good to tell people what God has done for you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But that's not the dialogue you need to be having. That should come later. A lot of people want to, you know, here's what God's done for me. This is the good thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. But our dialogue should be Jesus Christ first. And we miss it a lot of times simply because, well, how can I just go up to a person and say, Jesus, well, I don't know. Listen, how did Paul do it? We're supposed to take the book and use the principles of God in our life, but, but a lot of times in the Westernized church, we, want, we like those principles. We just don't want to apply them. We want to put our own spin on it. And then, you know, well, Jesus gave me a, he, he turned my life around. Yeah, you know, I had a psychiatrist, and, man, I was bummed out in drugs, and I had a bad life, and the psychiatrist, after I went to him, my, my life is totally, I'm, you know, that happens. That happens. Don't, you don't shake your head and no. Yes, it does. People have, you know, it's not, it's those things, we live on those things. And look, those things should come through. Those things should come through. But 
you know, reason through Scripture. Reason through Scripture. So verse 3 is the gospel in a nutshell. I won't read it again, but it's the gospel. God incarnate, He conquered death. Verse 4 tells us that some of them believed, and there were Greeks there as well that believed. To the Jews, there were Greek, they were the God, they were the God fearers that were there. That now that they had been there hearing this, and I want you to get this. They had been attending synagogue, even though they weren't Judaistic, or they weren't Jews, but they had been hearing about this God of Israel. So this dude shows up and he's, he's, he starts talking and he talks about this God of Israel who, who, who became flesh, who died for our sins and who rose again. All this time they had been in the synagogue, they hadn't been Jews. They hadn't transposed into Judaism. But the minute Paul shows up with the Scripture, they become Christians. That's the power of using the Scriptures. That's the power of the word. Quite often we want to add our two cents into the word. Let the word do its thing, then we can put our two cents afterwards. Y'all looking at me like, man, what? okay, let's keep going. They weren't Jews, they weren't converts. They just became Christians. Now, let's talk about the crowd a little bit here. Let's read verses 5 through 6. But uh, This is number 3. But the Jews which believe not moved with envy. Understand this. There's always going to be those that don't believe and they're not just going to let it go. They moved with envy, took unto them, look at this, them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring him out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So let's talk about the crowd. Some of the Jews just weren't persuaded that Jesus was the Messiah. They became envious. And so like people who become envious, they go to the marketplace and they find these lewd fellows. Now, what do you think a lewd fellow is? <laughs> That's it. They found them some thugs who they would never invite to the synagogue, who they would never have dinner with, who they would never let their kids play with, but now that they're envious over this thing that Paul did, they go to find some thugs, some people that were sort of outcastish, the, the evil people, baser sort. They got them together, this group. Not everyone is going to hear you. You realize that, right? Not everyone wanted to hear Paul. Not everyone's going to listen to you. Not everyone listened to Paul. Not everyone's going to believe you. And in some cases, there are going to be some that fight against you. Does this not sound familiar to you, huh? This little thing? Since we don't believe like you, we're going to go find some thugs. We're going to gather them in a crowd, and we're going to create an uproar in the city. Paul didn't create this uproar. Jason didn't create this uproar. No Christian created this uproar. The envious Jews, who all they had to say was, listen, I don't believe what you're saying. You're a heretic, and move on. They couldn't stand it. The same thing goes on. Much hadn't changed in 2,000 years, has it? 
Say again. Jason, Jason is a Christian that's already in Thessalonica. If I slow down, I can say it. He was already part of the Christian movement that was in this city. Uh, and we'll, as we look, you'll see some of that. You'll see some. Of, and as, as a rule, people tend to fear and shun change, don't they? That's just kind of who we are. We really we fear it, we shun it, we got to watch it. And, and what happens now, normally when a person is very fearful of something that's changing, they're, they're not just going to, they're going to lash out. They're going to become angry. They're going to make accusations. All of these things happen here. We're going to read about it. So when you're doing God's work, listen, don't pay attention to the charges people lay against you, what they call you, what they say you're doing. Don't, don't listen to that. There's an underlying reason they're doing it. There's an underlying reason they're doing it. So some of this crowd were unbelievers. They just weren't happy. They gathered troublemakers together. They created this uproar. They created this buzz in the city. And, and the appearance was that it wasn't them. It was Paul. And because when they brought these particular people to the rulers of the city, they said, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So, so let's back up a little bit. What world was turned upside down here? The synagogue, the Jews' world. It's tough when your world gets turned upside down, isn't it? It's tough. So, so they go to Jason's house, and the deal is they, they plan on attacking Jason. They want to drag. Paul and Silas are taking residence with them, staying with them, if you will, and Jason and his family. And other Christians that are there. And so Paul and Silas are staying with them while they're here uh, for their three weeks. And so they go there because they want to drag Paul and Silas out and get them before this, this ruling system. Now, because Thessalonica was a Greek city, the troublemakers uh, sought to drag Paul and Silas out before the Greek ruling council. It wasn't the Roman point of rule. They weren't going to do it like the Romans do it. They're doing it like the Greeks do it. That council was called the demos, D-E-M-O-S, in the Greek. That's where we get our word democracy. And so they had a different way of doing things. There was sort of a democratic principle here. Uh, so they couldn't find Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas disappeared. So what do they do? Well, they take the Christian. They take Jason. They drag him and other Christians out in front of the ruler, rulers. Now, the word ruler here is politarchs, and it's, it means a magistrate or it's a judge. It's sort of like if you, if you took them out and, and we took them to the judge here in, in Wise County or in Yost County, Tarrant, or if you live in, took them to the judge. And so in verse 6, it says they've turned the world upside down. So the Greek word upside down here means, what do you think it means? Before you, some of you probably have already tried to look it up on your blue, but don't look it up on your blue letter Bible. What do you, upside down, what do you think it means? Just, Steve's already looking it up. You're, you can't answer. <laughs> Turn the world upside down. What do you think? Everything's backwards? Cause the chaos? This is very interesting. Yeah. Reprobate? Okay. Upside down. The, the Greek word for upside down means to sigh deeply. Look, look at your strongs. I looked at this last night, and I looked at it again, and I looked at it a third time. I said, okay, let me look what upside means. Sigh deeply. Okay, well, down must have the word down here, sigh deeply. 
Somebody comes in here and says, listen, all the doctrine y'all believe is wrong. (sighs) That says a lot of words without ever saying one word. (sighs) I've had enough of this. You know, we had some of that here not long ago. And for about 35 or 40 minutes, Bishop sighed very deeply as he taught in Galatians. I've had enough of this. Here's what it says. And that's why it says they turned the world. They said, listen. But they turned their worlds upside down because on the flip side, Paul said, I've had enough of this. This is what it really is. That's what turning the world upside down is. It's a deep sigh. I'm done with that. Let's, let's get to truth. Let's get it done. Let's put it out there and let's move. So their thinking had been challenged. You know, when we think of upside down, we think of reprobate. That's because the word reprobate means to flip, to turn upside down. But when you look these words up, there's a reason it's a deep sigh. Because a deep sigh comes from where? There's a reason it's a deep sigh. It's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. When you sigh deeply about something... You've, you've thought about it. You, you've considered it. <sighs> Not happening. Now you're going to express it. And so that, that's what happened here. So let's read verses 7 through 9. Whom Jason hath received. Now this was Paul and Silas. Who, these people that turned the world upside down, they, they've come hither too. They, they, were, they were here. And Jason received them. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Now this group of people who lived in this Greek-free city, are now all of a sudden becoming subjects of Caesar. Rome. Isn't this sound an awful familiar? Saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Jason was accused of harboring a traitor. It went from this, Jew, from this Jewish... You know what? It... What did the Jews do to Jesus? It went from a religious belief to saying this man says he's the king of the Jews. He he goes against Caesar. Same old story. It never quits. It never quits. Your enemies are going to do the same thing over and over again. So even though they weren't under Roman government they were still under this roman umbrella they were still a free greek city and yet now the same group of people are wanting to flip this the decree of caesar at that time was that everybody under the umbrella of rome declared that caesar is lord that was his decree that that's that was so that the empire of rome would be embodied in one person that when you saw Caesar, the embodiment of Rome was Caesar. Thus, he is Lord. That was a compulsory thing throughout the entire empire. Every man had to go to an empire shrine in his city and had to take a pinch of incense and go to the image of Caesar in his city and burn it and sprinkle it and say, say this, Caesar is Lord. Once they did this, they could go off now and worship any God they wanted. As long as they first said, Caesar is Lord. And so what these people are now are saying is, listen, these people are coming in saying, Caesar's not Lord, Jesus is. 
So they're st- now they're stirring up not just a religious aspect, but a political one. Sound familiar? And many Christians in that day chose to die a terrible, agonizing death on an imaginable, unimaginable scale and what they did to them. And we're not going to discuss that. That's another. Just because they chose to say Jesus is Lord over Caesar is Lord. Many horrible things were done to Christians simply because they said Jesus is Lord. They would not repeat the Caesar is Lord. So they didn't have Paul and Silas to charge, so they charged Jason. And when they charged Jason and they bring him before the rulers, the rulers say, listen, we're going to release you, but we won't, you're going to have to give us a little money. You're going to bail yourself out. And matter of fact, all you other Christians that are with him, y'all got to put up bail money. And so in, in verse 10, when Jason, and when they had taken security of Jason, when you look at the security of that means they, he had to render a bail. He had to be turned loose. And then they was, so uh, let's go to the checking out part. Let's move on. There's a lot we can say there, but I'm running out of time. Now, check it out. Verses 10 through 13. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. <laughs> Man, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and men, not a few. Now, before, when it was the Jews, it was men and women, not a few. Here, it's Greeks and men, not a few. Interesting. The believers in Thessalonica, we were they they were more they were very concerned about Paul and Silas's safety at this point, and so at night they ship them off to the next city, Berea. So what? Where do they go when they get to Berea? What's what, man? They just won't quit. Well, they get to Berea. What do they? They run to the synagogue. Why? Because there's a bunch of Jews there that need to hear about Jesus. They just won't give it up. They just won't quit. They just keep going. But the Jewish community there was more open to them. And the Greek community was more open to them. They were more noble. Boy, how can I say this and not make somebody in here mad? I'm just going to say it, and then y'all just let the the chips fall where they like. They were more Republican. If you're a Democrat, please don't get mad at me. They were just more Republican. They were a little more open. Republicans are a little, you know, don't think you're a lot more open because you're not. (laughs) You're a little more open. If you were a lot more open as a Republican, if I was a lot more open as a Republican, then this fight would be different. This fight would be different. But I I choose to take the things of God over politics. They're going to go the way they're going to go. I'm going to do my part in what I'm supposed to do but I'm going to take the, the, the realm of God, Jesus Christ, over it because that's what Paul did. When you look at this, Paul, Paul gives us the directive on what we should do here. And that's when you go into a town, find somebody that's leaning towards God, find somebody, that's what he always did, find somebody that's leaning towards God, and go give them the rest of the story. Good old Paul Harvey. They were willing to listen to the gospel. They listened. Here is the difference between them 
and the people that were from the previous city. They did their own research. They were open to truth, seeking truth, exactly. But just because Paul said it, they didn't believe it. The people in the previous city shut him off. There were believers, but they shut him off. These people said, listen, we're going to listen. We don't, we don't believe it. We're going to have to do our own research here. And so, they, so that's what being noble was about. They did their own research and researched the Scripture that Paul had just. How many times do we say from this pulpit, listen, take it home and research it. Look at it. Because you're not going to believe it because I say it. You're going to believe it because you got it. Not because Don said it. Because y'all don't remember two weeks ago what I preached. I don't. It was for that day. That's the difference between me and a lot of pastors. And I know you are enduring it, but thank you for being an enduring people. It's once this goes today, I'll, I'll chew on it some, but I've already chewed on it a whole lot before I ever got here. You Next week, I'm gonna, by next Sunday, I'll probably forget this deal. I'll probably forget it. It's not, it may be because I'm somewhat stupid, but it's not because I'm totally stupid. It's because I know it's a word for today, and I've chewed on it. Now it's your turn to chew on it. Once you chew on it, move through it, move on. But you've got to chew on it. You've got to take it home and look at it. And that's what these people did. Uh, they, they were just willing to, they, and that's a good listen. Be willing to listen. They didn't know Paul from Adam, but they were willing to listen. We talked about it this morning. From our old place that we came from, if it wasn't from the Pentecostal publishing house, we didn't read it. It was not truth. It had no merit. There was no power. In other words, there were people outside of the Pentecostal publishing house that even though they had word that was very direct, word that was very powerful, and word that was very true, we didn't read it because they weren't part of us. Listen, be willing to listen. You, if you can't disseminate from reading something what's truth and not, you've got a bigger problem than you realize. You, there's a spirit of truth in us that helps us to understand truth. And so being able to read and study helps you disseminate what is truth and what is not. You discard what is not, and you take what's there. Don't, if you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, we talked about Spurgeon, you know, it, it pay you to read it would take you a lifetime. It would pay you to read some of his, his messages. They're very long. They're very thick. There's some very powerful truth. Is everything truth in it? Not by Scripture. Not, not by what I believe, but not by Scripture. But is there some truth in it? Absolutely. And it's God's Word, not Charles Spurgeon's Word. Boy, that... Whew. God's Word's going to be truth regardless. If somebody in a, I'm not going to call it a denomination, said that God is love and God loves you. That's God's word and that's truth, regardless of where it came from. And you need to listen to it and receive it. So we've we got to learn to do that. Be willing to listen. Don't just stop. Look in a study. Study to show thyself approved unto Pastor Don. Study to show thyself approved unto mom and dad. Study to show thyself approved unto the government. No, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing. God expects you to write, not me. I've got, I'm on my own for me. But he expects you to rightly divide the word, the truth. Rightly divide it, not wrongly. 
Divide that word. That, that, listen, if you, if you really want to get a hold of who God is, it's right there. It's right there. It's not everything about who God is, but it's who God is in our relationship. Many Bereans came to understand that Paul was right, and they believed. They, they believed the truth. They understood it was right. The word divided hearts in Berea, though, just like it did in the previous city. There, were, there was a division there uh, because the word is always going to divide. Don't, don't, Jesus didn't say, I came to bring peace. He didn't say that. He said, as a matter of fact, he came, I came to divide Jesus said, I came to divide. There's going to be a division from father, son, mother. I came to divide. Now, that's, there's a process in that, but understand, word will divide thought process. Word will divide thought process. Jesus didn't come to make you an enemy of you and your parents. And he didn't come to make you an enemy of that. That's not what that's talking about. But understand that the word is going to separate the right and the wrong, the truth and the untruth. That's what the word does. Uh, let's look at verse 13. But when the Jews of, of uh, Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached at uh, uh, Paul and Berea, of Paul and Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Couldn't leave well enough alone. They got him out of their city. Couldn't you not just, no, no, that's not good enough. Let me, let me bring a band of group of people and let's go to the next city and let's create the same havoc. Sound familiar? Humans don't change much. Humans don't change much. We, we kind of just repeat ourselves. And trouble, let me tell you something about troublemakers. Troublemakers don't easily give up. Troublemakers don't easily give up. Man, if we had that kind of tenacity, whoo. They eventually drove Paul and Silas out of Berea. Yeah, because they stirred up the crowd. Again, much hasn't changed. So finally, the end part of it, uh, i got a couple minutes. Well, I don't really, but I'll take verses 14 to 15. And, they, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there. Timothy abode there still. And they, had, uh, they that conducted Paul uh, brought him unto Athens and received a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed and hurry up and they departed and now while Paul waited for them I'm just going to read this at 16 at Athens the spirit was stirred in him when he had saw the city wholly given to idolatry so when he went to Athens he, he recognized something about Athens that was different than the other cities he had gone to and so ending this out to sea Athens was the center of the philosophical thought of that day. It was the very center of learning in the ancient world. Athens was the center of Plato. It was the city of Aristotle and Socrates. It was the place that if you were going to go and learn and be, it was the Berkeley. That's the problem. It was the Berkeley, Berkeley of the day. If you know anything about Berkeley University, you know what I'm saying. If you don't, don't worry about it. To this day, the Parthenon is considered the most architecturally sophisticated building in history. The Parthenon there. It was now time for them to turn their world upside down again. Here we go. They can't help themselves. Everywhere they go, they're getting this deep sigh, this upside down. No matter where we are, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what the struggle or resistance, just like Paul and Silas, our job is to go and find people that are looking for God and make them take a big, deep sigh. I'm tired of living this life. Say, tell me that again. 
Who is this man? What did he do? All right, I'm going to believe on that. I'm going to try that. That's what we're to do. That's, that, that's what this, you know, it's a story. It's, it's part of the life of Paul, but, but it's a perspective that we need to grab a hold of. That Listen, our, our job is just to go, you know, look at Acts, and what do they do? Every time they went somewhere, they, they preached about how they should dress, or they preached about how they should live, or they preached about how, where they should go, or they preached about how they should talk. No, they only said one thing. They preached about Jesus Christ, and the rest would take care of itself. The reason we have problems is we want to take care of the rest of it ourselves and hope they get Jesus Christ. And that's not how it works. How it works is we just give them Jesus Christ. You know from that point on when you give them Jesus Christ, Paul could say, all right, I told you. See you guys. He never had to come back there again. He did, but he never had to say it again. It was now their turn. Paul was trying to link them here. Now that Paul had linked them to him, Paul was out of the link. He would come back and, matter of fact, when you read the story, I can't, don't have the time, when we read the story, that, that Silas and Timothy, they stayed in Berea. Why? To encourage the believers. Paul did his thing. Silas and Timothy said, okay, now, let, now, now let's talk about this thing. So let's go forward from here as a church. Let's just give people Jesus Christ. We don't have to give them everything else. You know what? The curious and those that are after God are going to ask questions. And when they do, that's when you give the, you know what? Oh, well, let me tell you what this Jesus did for me. Let me tell you what I was involved in that he took me out of. Let me tell you the, the sin that I had that he took me from. That's when the opportunity comes. Anybody have any Doubts, fears, unbeliefs, insights. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. I think it's important to, what you about learning about the other side, what they think. I mean, I, I, I got my degree in zoology before I went to med school. I had to take a whole semester on evolution. And I remember my mom, she had a fit. You know, you can't do that. But it was actually a good class because I learned what, they're, what they think, what they teach. And then I'm like, and that's wrong in this right here here but it's it's important to learn see what the other side is saying and not just be a right good advice anybody else let's take a break for more information about tabernacle of praise look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org we want to hear from you so be sure to connect with our facebook page we also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.